Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Today I want to talk about Cal Savers. And what's that you ask? Well, it's kind of like a compulsory retirement plan that just took effect here in California. Is it a great idea or just more bureaucracy? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Thank you, Nick, and welcome everyone to TFWP, another interesting episode here this morning. We're coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys, just outside of Hollywood, and oh my, it's Brian Reed. <laughs> How's it going, Dave? Good, good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Happy Saturday. Hey, same to you. Same to you. You gotta love. You gotta love Saturdays, right? Because you got a whole nother day after that. Exactly. My wife uh, just recently uh, stopped working, and she said that her new favorite day of the week is every day Monday because everyone has to go to work <laughs> and and she looked at me right in the eye and she says you know my favorite day of the week is uh, or my least favorite day is uh Friday and I said well why is that she says because you're going to be around for the next two days so I don't know what that's all about um but uh kind of interesting kind of interesting well, today I want to talk about this new law in California. It's called Cal Savers, and it just took effect just recently this month. And it's going to set up a uh, kind of a forced savings or retirement, or potentially a forced savings or retirement for uh, a number of businesses and a number of uh, employees. So it kind of works like this any businesses with over five employees, and it's going to be phased in over the next several years, but by 2020 or so, it's going to be more than five employees uh, and, a, and a business that doesn't have a plan in place. So that's a pension or a 401k or one of those types of plans for their employees. They are going to be put into a, a, a plan, a CalSavers plan, and it's kind of like a, a forced IRA. So the company has to register with the state and say, hey, I've got this many employees and this is uh, what we're doing. And we're either going to participate or we're exempt because we're less than five or because we have a plan in place. And then they're going to set this up. They're going to give every employee's uh, name and social security number. So this is kind of like registering people. And they're going to set up uh, basically a, a Roth IRA for for uh, each person. So we, we talked about Roth IRAs last week. Remember, it's after-tax money, and it's put into a retirement account. And if you follow the requirements, it'll be tax-free later on. So the new law is going to require every employer to enroll and to enroll every one of their employees and after they've registered everybody, it's also going to be part of an employee onboarding process. So if employers don't do this, they can be fined 250 to $500 for every employee if they don't register or bring somebody in. Um, it's a whole new level of bureaucracy that's going to have to uh, be put together. It's similar to plans that have been enacted in Connecticut and Maryland and Oregon and Seattle. 
I guess Seattle must think it's a state, huh, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> They've got their own way of doing things up there. Um, and it'll be administered by Ascensius College Record Keeping Services, ACRS, and they're going to be the ones that are kind of uh, overseeing this whole system. I just saw an article in the LA Times where someone uh, in the state legislature was crowing that, you know, this won't cost the state a penny. Well, I don't know. I think it will because you've got to have this registering process. And, and if people don't withhold, now you've got a whole nother situation. Um, it's not going to be free of charge. Nothing is usually uh, completely free or effortless. But, uh, um, you know, they're going to charge a fee of about 0.8.9%. That's this uh, ACRS group. And you will be able to invest in a choice of funds. And I looked at the different funds that they have, and it's, it's really a broad set of funds. There's a capital preservation fund, a bond fund, global equity fund, sustainable balance fund, and several target funds. And what might you ask are target funds? Those are funds that say, hey, we're going to have all your money ready to go in 2040 or 2050, because that's the year that you intend to retire. And you pick a fund that's set to close out or to give you your money during during that period of time. So I don't know, this starts to sound pretty good, starts to look pretty good, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a withholding and remitting requirement for employers, for anybody that has five or more employees and for anyone that doesn't necessarily have a fund. So um, it, I'm sure it's unclear at this point how they're going to make sure that everybody does that, how they're going to choose or chase people that don't do this. Um, but on the face of it, um, um, I don't know. I don't know. It took effect. They ran a, um, a pilot program. They found that um, uh, people were much more inclined to participate in a plan like this uh, when it was part of their employee withholding. Uh, there was a study done at uh, Cal Berkeley. And uh, the results of their study said that people were 15 times more likely to participate in a plan when it was set up this way. Not 15% more, but 15 times more likely to participate. Uh, however, at the end of the day, you've got uh, the government looking over your shoulder going, hey, you got to have this kind of plan. You need to participate in this plan. Um, and you've got employers that have yet another thing to do. Oh, one other factor is every employee must be signed up and they will initially take 5% out of their check. That's 5% after tax. So it's more like seven or 8% of their check. And um, it's going to be sent, uh, you know, out for, for investment in this, in this Roth IRA. Now, an employee can opt out. They can opt out. And I think that that's an important thing to, to remember. Uh, once they're signed up, they can opt out. But again, a whole nother level of things to do for employers, whether they're registering all their people initially or, or onboarding somebody else, and a whole nother level of things to do in terms of uh, remitting or, or taking the money out and then remitting this money, another interaction with your payroll service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... I don't know. Is this a good thing or or a bad thing? Uh, you know, here at the TFWP, we we love savings. I mean, that's such a great thing. And last time we were talking about Roth IRAs and how those that's pretty cool. Uh, after tax money that's not taxed later on and I like the fact that 
you know, employees can opt out. And I like the fact that it's portable. Someone can take the money with them when they leave. And I like the fact that down the line, someone can take their money out, uh, you know, tax-free when they retire. I, I like the fact that because it's a Roth IRA, if someone wants, um, or not wants, but needs some money for some emergency, they could draw some of that money out, at least the contribution portion out, um, tax-free. But uh, the other side of the coin is, are we really going to put another burden on business? It's getting tougher and tougher to do business in California. Brian, what do you think? So far, I'm okay with this, I think. All right. Um, you know, smaller companies, I'm not saying that they have um, less responsibilities or less to do, but if a person doesn't have any kind of a retirement vehicle set up and they haven't taken the initiative to do it, and now they're going to have to get one, regardless yeah. of where wherever you go to work, mm -hmm. if it's got more than, what, five people at the company? Yep. Then... It's someone reminding them to save. Now, of course, the government wants this done because they don't want to have to pay for us later on in life. They want we, they want us to already have our own money saved up. Right. Of course, my my response to that is uh, nobody is without a retirement because we've all got Social Security, that great <laughs> Social Security. They're getting 15 percent uh, every year and then they're going to provide us with money when we retire that covers about 40 percent of what we need. I mean, we got this great social security plan. What about that? Uh-huh. Yeah, let's, okay, let's uh, drop the sarcasm <laughs> and stay on point. That's a whole nother topic. We spent a podcast on that, and after we kind of pulled the curtain away uh, from that, it uh, it left me a little bitter, frankly. I, I, I can tell. 15% <laughs> ought to let you retire in a gold-plated car, for goodness sakes. A gold-plated Tesla? gold-plated Tesla car, even better. I like that. I like that. So maybe the additional benefit to business or the additional burden to business is worth the potential benefit. That's what the government will say. You, yeah. you guys take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Push it off to somebody else. You know, I, I mean, I like the fact at least that the government um, is not investing the money. Uh, you know, um, I, I think that there's um, huge inefficiencies potentially there. Um, I like the fact that it's... Uh, something that's portable and you can take. But, I mean, I don't know. All the stuff you have to go through to well, who's making somebody? the decisions about these funds? The employee. So you get to pick. I'm sure there's going to have, you know, there's going to be a fund well, they're that's gonna, like... Aren't know. they going to pick from uh, funds that are selected from various, all the funds that are out there? They're going to have a choice of 15. So who's choosing, for example those 15 funds. Well, that's true. Who's controlling the size of the walled garden? And I think that, uh, you know, that's set up by the state of California and, and, and in conjunction with the people that are going to be administering this. Um, so yeah, the, the, the walled garden is going to be chosen by somebody else, but once you're inside, I, I guess you get to pick. Now, maybe that's a false, you know, choice. Right. But it's your choice of the options that we give you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe that's a maybe that's a potential downside. I mean, I think that some of these funds are going to be like, um, you know, friendly environmental investments or, you know, something like that. Um, and if someone wants to limit their, 
the financial future based upon that good for them, but I don't know. I wouldn't. Although I mean, I wouldn't. Isn't that kind of like saying, you know, you can go to any doctor just as long as the doctor is within the network? Oh, don't start with me. <laughs> don't start with me with health care. Oh, that's just, that's a raw nerve. <laughs> I'm just hitting all the, all the nerves Boy, on you today. You are just really hitting it hard. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I think you raise a, you know, a, a pretty important point. It's something that I frankly hadn't even thought about. But if your choices are limited, of course, I guess really at the end of the day, as long as those funds are returning yeah, a reasonable something. rate of turn, return and there's not a fund that says we return even higher than that because we pollute the earth, um, I guess any of the choices are, are okay. I mean, there's a, a, a very broad range. I was surprised, the, the range of choices. But... Um, but you're right. You're exactly right. The administrator is chosen and the, 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 the funds that are in the garden are chosen. But on the flip side, you know, maybe this gets the concept of savings into kids' heads earlier when they have their first job. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If there's a, you know, they're told, by the way, it's, this is going to happen. You yeah. can opt out later, but it starts. It sounds yeah. like it starts and then you choose to say take me out exactly. versus, hey, you have the option to do this. Do you want to do it? Right, right. Maybe it's just easier to get people to do it if it's taken out of their check. I don't know. I, th- I think that um, maybe that's a little demeaning to people saying, hey, you can't, you know, we can't trust you to make that choice. We're going to make that choice for you. Um, I would hope that with more people thinking about this long term, more people hopefully listening to TFWP mm-hmm. that they go, hey, you know, I want to put something in place. I want to sit down with a, you know, a CFP or somebody like that because I want to put together a long term plan. That that would start to resolve the situation more with individual choice and less with big brother and big business looking over your shoulder. If they plant the seed early enough and it gets taken care of for people for a while by somebody else, and then eventually they go, you know what, wait a minute, I want to do this. Yeah. Then they, it sounds like they have every right to pull that money out, to opt out of the program, and then they can just go do it themselves. Right, right. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, I think a lot of this depends upon, uh, you know, what a person's view of of the role of government is or the role of business. Is it, is it their, is it business's role to take care of your, your healthcare needs and your retirement needs? And as long as you're there, or is that something that someone should be a little more responsible about? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still in shock or, or reacting to when I opened up the envelope for my very first paycheck. And this was like in high school and I was working fast food and I, I calculated the, the number of hours that I worked with my hourly pay, and I pulled out the check to look at it, and, and I said, hey, who took my damn money? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a shock. Who's this FICA guy? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know FICA. I don't want him to get no money. I mean, it was, it was brutal. It was a shock. It was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm reacting to it, but... Um, I also think that it's three nerves we've hit. Today. I know, I know. I think it depends upon someone's view of, you know, how they want the, the government to treat them. I mean, there there are some people that I've talked to that said, "Look, I just want to show up for my job, and I want the government to take care of, you know, all my other needs my I, my health care, my retirement, my whatever, whatever. I don't want to have to think about it." 
And, and I guess if there's enough people in society with that thought process, well, maybe this is the perfect thing. Although I think there's a lot of people too that want to be, you know, masters of their own destiny and um, this might rub them the wrong way. Although I guess, again, they can always opt out and they've had the, you know, the very deliberate process of, hey, you know what, uh, I need to put into my daily or not daily, but monthly spending plan, the fact that I need to sequester some money, uh, deploy some money, if you will, for retirement. I think I'm okay with this. I like people getting their first paycheck and seeing that a little money has been taken out. And guess what? They're going to survive without it. So why wouldn't they just leave it in if it's just, you know, and just then they'll get a statement and oh, look at that. I have some money saved up. Right. Well, now you're hitting another raw nerve (laughs) because, you know, um, uh, in years past, uh, you know, we we've paid a payroll and a payroll is a major pain in the neck. You know, how many hours and, and make sure the deductions are appropriate and people getting the right amount. And then you've got the, the withholding for this and for that. And now you got a whole nother level. And, um, you know, we didn't have a big payroll. We maybe had seven, eight, nine, ten employees, but it took up a lot of time. It was a pain in the neck. And there's companies that will help you with that. You know, ADP for one, not that I'm plugging anybody. Uh, we use somebody else, actually. But there are companies out there that, um, you know, will help you with that. But at some point, you take all of that withholding, you take all of the service for doing that, you take the workers' compensation, you take all the, you know, now we have overtime and, and sick days and blah, 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 blah. You spend more money kind of counting the chalk marks on the chalkboard than you do getting stuff done. Um, that's just my perspective, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's another on nerve. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough hours in the day. I guess, I guess. But two very different perspectives. Um, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily I'm against it. I'm just really concerned that there are so many things that we're putting on businesses that it makes it uh, less desirable to, to do business, frankly, in California. It's one of the reasons that I think that uh, a lot of businesses are, are moving, even though it's, you know, <laughs> in my mind, one of the best states, uh, one of the best states around, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not biased at all, are you, Dan? Well, you know, I was born here, so it's uh, pretty cool, but... Uh, the freeways were a lot less crowded back in the day, just saying, <laughs> just saying. And the requirements were less. I don't know. I don't know. Now, there's a lot of people that are predicting that this is going to flop. And I mean, maybe it will, or maybe this will provide a, you know, kind of a renaissance in terms of thinking for people. And uh, a number of people will start to, you know, to save in these Roth IRAs and, and be a good for them in the long term. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. So I don't know, to sum up, CalSavers, um, a new law just taking effect, and it's going to be basically a, a, a Roth IRA kind of experience for employees of businesses that have uh, ultimately five employees or more and that don't have any other kind of retirement plan available. Is it a great progressive idea or just another bureaucratic boondoggle. Time will tell. We'll keep an eye on this and and report back down the road. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. 
You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, Brian's got one right there in his hand. Brian. All right, Dave. Uh, We have an email here from Skip who writes in, Dave, I am age 40, married, have a wife and two children. I want to retire at 60 if possible. I have my emergency fund, thanks to you, and I have $20,000 in the bank. Should I get a financial advisor? Thanks, Skip. Skip, you know, I I definitely would get a financial advisor. Um, I think that more and more people should do that at this point, especially as we start to uh, deal with more of our retirement obligations and handle those ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I, I love it. You want to retire at, at 60. That's that's really cool. That's an aggressive goal. And I think uh, if you deploy your dollars wisely and keep your expenses in control, I think that that's something that you could specifically do, especially if you're starting out at 40. A lot of people don't start thinking about retirement at 40. They start talking about retirement at about 59 and a half. Um, so I, I think that that's a good thing. Now, um, you could do a lot of time studying, reading books, doing things like that. Um, and kind of sketch something out on your own, uh, or you could get with a financial advisor, someone who would kind of um, act as your coach, someone who's got some specific knowledge in the area of uh, investments and and, uh, retirement devices and and taxation, uh, those kinds of things. Um, Those folks aren't particularly expensive to come by, but they are folks that uh, can really benefit you in the in the long term. You know, it, it kind of seems to me that uh, even when you're younger than 40, you can get a hold of a you know a financial advisor, um, put together some kind of a long term plan, taking you all the way to retirement and beyond, and then uh, meet with them periodically, maybe just for you know a lunch, uh, you know, get together every couple of years, and just uh, pull out the plan and say, hey, how are we how are we moving ahead on this? What's changed? Things will change. You know, it's like um, I heard someone tell a story about uh, you get on an airplane to go from L.A. to New York. Well, you're going to change your uh, your way to get there several times during the course of that flight due to wind patterns and et cetera, et cetera. But the ultimate goal will remain the same. That is landing safely in New York. And I think it's the same thing with uh, getting to your retirement and beyond. Um, your plan may change over the years, but you need someone that will help you put together that plan and then meet periodically with you um, to um, make sure that you're you know on board uh, or that your plan needs to change a little bit or, or what have you. So I think this person is part you know advisor, part coach, um, part financial person, but I think it'd be a good idea. I mean, when you sit down with them and and you're young, you spend on a CFP or, or establishing a relationship with an accountant, uh, what, a, a thousand or two dollars to get you where you want to be ultimately? That seems like it's cheap. And uh, uh, to meet with them every two, three, four, five years for lunch for an hour, hour and a half, that seems pretty cheap. Um, although 
make sure they pick up the uh, tab for lunch, right, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that this is part of the, the group of people that should uh, be in our lives on a go-forward basis like this because the last thing you want to be is at uh, 59 and a half and going, why? Well, I guess I should think about retirement. You know, you, you hear a lot of people say, well, I'm going to work forever. And people can certainly work a lot longer now than they could before. But you can't work forever. And unless you love in an extreme way what you do, you're going you're gonna to want to have some retirement. So, Skip, you're, you're starting young. You're, you're early. Um, you're doing well. You've, you know, you've already uh, you know, got the marriage. You've already got the two kids. Um, you've got the emergency fund. That's huge. You're ahead of most. And uh, pat on the back. Retire at 60, very doable potentially. Uh, but I would, I would get with you know, an, an accountant and not just someone that does tax returns, but an accountant that will sit down with you and have some very um, deliberate, thoughtful discussions with you or, or a CFP. That's, a, that's an area of professionalism that's expanding dramatically these days. I know that they even have a, um, a certificate program over at like UCLA, for example, these days. So there's some really good people out there and I would, uh, and I would check that out. So that's what I would do. Skip, spend a little bit of money so you can have a whole bunch of money and that's, uh, you'll be happy that you did. All right. We got time for one more email, Brian. Um, here's one uh, from Samuel and he writes in, dear Dave, I'm 35 years old, single and have no kids. And I have an extremely well-paying job. I'm frankly making more money right now than I can spend, but it might not last a whole bunch of years more. I don't want to miss out on any planning opportunities. Any thoughts? Thanks, Sam. Well, Sam, I guess the first question that I would have is, uh, what team do you play for? <laughs> I mean, this sounds Something like... Something that has a short uh, shelf life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sounds like a quintessential athlete or, or, or entertainer, you know? Um, and how great is that to be able to be able to say straight up, I'm making more money than I can spend. Um, yeah, definitely some advice. You know, what I would do is not, not spend all of that money, resist the temptation to, to buy the, the super big car and the, and the what have you. And uh, by the way, if you ever gone by the, the parking lot at Dodger Stadium, Brian, on the way to a game, no, I've never seen it. Oh man, it's like all fenced off, and it's like all the the young guys. They got all these amazing cars, you know, <laughs> the, the low sleek black cars and the big four by fours with the you know five hundred horsepower jobbies. They they have to uh, fence it off to keep people away from all those nice cars because everybody else is driving Toyota Junkers and the <laughs> you know the Nissan or the Datsun or something. Um, pretty amazing, but. You know, Samuel, what I would do is try and resist that. Obviously, get a nice car. You're enjoying some success. But uh, don't spend all of it on cars. Don't spend all of it on house. And and realize that um, what a unique situation that you're in. And if you adopt a reasonable lifestyle, you can save the rest of that. And, and think about what kind of income for the rest of your life that money can yield to you. And it would certainly make the, the balance of your life a whole lot easier if you got some income coming in on a fairly uh, regular basis. You know, it, it, it cracks me up where I hear about uh, running backs, for example, Brian. They say, well, you know, I need to get paid this kind of money because my career will only last five years, which is true. A running back is only going to last five, six years typically in the NFL. But my thought is, okay, but what about the rest of your life? Just because you had this fantasy dream job and you made a whole bunch of money, that doesn't mean that you only have to 
to work or contribute for, for five years, you know. But if you got a whole bunch of money and um, you're getting some income on that, it sure gives you a, a lot more opportunity or flexibility to do other things that you want to do. Um, but you're going to have to realize that your lifestyle might not always be, you know, an all-star first baseman or, or what have you. So I think there's some some thinking and some some thought process there. We've seen so many professional athletes, and I'm I'm kind of honing in on athletes here, not not entertainers, but uh, you know they're used to living that lifestyle. They're used to going out with the the fellas after the game. They're used to uh, driving the big car, or living in the Beverly Hills, and. And when it all stops, it all stops real suddenly, and it's hard for them to want liquidate, you know, their lifestyle to something a little more modest and and to deal with that. And I get that all your life, someone tells you you're great, you're amazing, and all of a sudden you're retired, and all you can do is shoot commercials, and that that's a pretty tough time in someone's life. Uh, that's a pretty tough transition. But if you've you've thought about it. And if you have planned for it, maybe that will make it, uh, you know, make it a little bit easier. I think um, in the in the sports realm, a lot of these players now have pretty strong unions, and they're making contribution to those unions, and those unions are providing for a, a lot of the former players, but certainly not to the level that they were used to living. And um, certainly, you can't expect the union to take care of you for the rest of your life. So. Uh, my hat's off to you, Samuel. You're, you're thinking about this. You're thinking about this long term. Um, I think you said you're, what, 35? And if that's the case, um, you know, you're probably coming towards the end of your career, which probably prompted the email, by the way. <laughs> right. And um, you've got an opportunity still to do some things. So uh, don't focus on denying yourself uh, some of the, uh, you know, uh, the extra compensation that you're earning. But I think if you focus on what the income off of that money saved could do for the entire rest of your life, you'd be motivated in terms of uh, how you might turn that around to uh, to your benefit. So there you have it. Hey, uh, you know, write in and, and uh, you don't need to, well, you told us your first name, but I wonder if that's his real name. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's, I yeah. bet you it isn't. Maybe this is, is this maybe like Joe Montana or something? <laughs> <laughs> Joe's older than that. Who's the, who's the quarterback for the Rams? Oh no, he's a kid. He's not 35. Somebody. What's his name? Go Goff? Jared Goff? Jared Goff. Yeah, yeah, I think that's his name. He's a young kid. He, I don't know that he's, he might not only be 25 yet even. Uh, running back for the Rams? No. Well, what if the uh, uh, writer's name was Baker? Baker, well, that'd be a whole, <laughs> that'd be a whole nother, Mayfield. be a whole nother level of analysis. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys, they come out and, you know, they're expecting, they get the big signing bonus and this and that, and they don't translate well for whatever reason to the NFL. And that's got to be pretty tough too, you know? Um, and then some of these guys, what was the guy who played with the, uh, the quarterback for the Cardinals? Uh, years back and he came out and he played and played and played and played never really got a shot and then before you know it he's winning the Super Bowl remember that what was the name of that fellow uh, about 10 years ago 15 years ago I don't remember 
I don't remember. Hey, if you're a listener and you remember, send us an email and go, hey, yeah, guys. Who was that guy? It was uh, Sidney Whipplestein or somebody, somebody like that. I would remember a quarterback uh, named Sidney Whipplestein. Sidney Whipplestein, yeah, I guess so. I mean, what a great feel-good story. I mean, a guy just hanging in there and, and playing and playing until he's able, able to actually make it happen. How cool is that? But um, that's probably the exception, not the rule. So good work, Samuel. Keep it up. And... Um, um, hopefully you're put together enough money so that your retirement will be your retirement from your sport, apparently, will uh, uh, be good and comfortable and you can do a lot of other things. All right. I think that's all the time that we have. This is Dave Hagen, Brian Reed, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. Listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.